0: Amen. All right, well, we're over there in Genesis chapter number one, and of course tonight we're starting a brand new series, and it's kind of a topical, uh, interesting series. And on Sunday nights, sometimes I like to do these kind of different, I don't know, maybe fun, I don't know, uh, type series. We've done things like Drop Dead, uh, where we went through all the stories in the Bible where God drop people dead. Maybe that's not fun. I don't know. I'm a little odd. But um, we're doing this one on on uh, when animals attack in the Bible. You'd be surprised how many stories there are in the Bible uh, about animals attacking people and and God having those animals attack people and uh, tonight we're kind of going to begin with a little bit of an introductory sermon so we're not going to actually look at a story tonight where an animal attacks anyone but um, we're going to just kind of talk about the animal kingdom in general and the Bible talks a lot about animals and the animal kingdom you'd be surprised and uh, we're going to begin with this uh, introductory sermon uh, on the animal kingdom in general, and I'll give you kind of some points as we, as, as we move into it. In fact, if you don't have a baby sitting on your lap, I'd encourage you to maybe write some of these things down. But I want to begin by talking about the animal kingdom pre-the flood, or before the flood. The animal kingdom pre-flood times. And that's why we're here in Genesis chapter 1 at uh, the time of creation. Uh, and of course, the flood, the Noahic flood, is uh, the event that really changed the world. There was a worldwide flood, the Bible teaches. But bef- before that, and even before the fall of man, when sin entered into the world, we have this uh, this account of creation. And I want you to notice, first of all, in this chapter, man's preeminence over uh, the animals. Man was created different uh, than... The animals. You're there in Genesis chapter 1 and look down at verse number, uh, number 20 if you would. And we're going to look at this again later, a little bit later in the sermon, but I want you to see it now. When, when the animals were created in Genesis chapter 1 verse 20, the Bible says this, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowls that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowls multiply in the air. So there in verses 20 through 22, we have God creating the animals that occupy the water, and those that fly in the uh, air, verse 23, and the evening, the morning, were the fifth day. Then verse 24, we see the land animals. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts on the earth after his kind, and it was so. Now I want you to notice that later on in the creation account, when God creates man we have a a different account when god created the animals he just kind of said all right let the earth bring forth you know these animals and they were alive and they were breathing and you know they were on the land or in the air or in the sea but in verse 26 the bible says this genesis chapter 1 verse 26 about man and god said let us make man in our image and, of course, God there is speaking in the plural, our, because this is the triune God. This is the, the Trinity speaking. They said, let us make man in our image. And I want you to notice, none of the animals were made in the image of God. The fowls of the air, the birds of the, uh, uh, the, the, the fowls of the air, and, and the fish of the sea, and, and the land animals. This is not said of any of them, but it's said of, of man that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowls of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over the, uh, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. We'll come back to that in a minute. Look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So the Bible teaches that man was created different than animals. And today, in our society, we are told that man is an animal. And, you know, evolution teaches that man is just a a more evolved animal. But, but you know, today science will tell you man is an animal. It's part of, you know, it's a primate. It's part of the animal kingdom. But this is not true. The Bible says that man was created in the image of God. And I really want to focus in on this idea because when you go to Genesis chapter 2, Now, in Genesis chapter 1, you have the creation story. And in Genesis chapter 2, we're given more details about that creation. Look down at verse number 7. If you remember, in Genesis, when we read there, verses 20 through uh, 24, we saw that the sea, the water brought forth animals... The, the earth brought forth these animals, and they were just good to go. They were sat down, and they were uh, uh, breathing and living animals. But when God created man, the Bible says, that He created man from the dust of the earth, but He wasn't just ready to go. In verse 7, the Bible says this, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And remember, the land animals were created, the Bible says that, let the earth bring forth, Right? Their bodies came from the earth, just like our bodies came from the earth. But when they were created, they were already breathing. They already uh, were, were set in motion. But when God created man, he brought the bodies from out of the dust of the ground. But then the Bible says, And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. See, the Bible tells us that when man was created... God is the one who breathed life into man. And the life of a man, of a human, of a human being, is different than that uh, from the life of an animal. But today, look, we're, we're, we're told that, you know, man was just an animal that evolved. But this is not true. The Bible teaches that our breath, our soul, came from God. God gave it. It did not come from this earth, where the animals were created, and they were already breathing, and and uh, uh, going, and on their way. Keep your place there in Genesis. We're going to come back to it, but go with me, if you would, to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 3. Ecclesiastes 3. If you open your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely find the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have the book of Proverbs, and after Proverbs, you have the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and do me a favor, when you get there, put a ribbon or a bookmark or a bulletin there, because we're going to leave it, and we're going to come back to it. But while you turn there, let me just kind of explain this and tease this out for you a little bit. Animals are different than men, than humans. Animals have no conscience. And animals have no consciousness. Animals have no conscience. There's no morality or immorality about them. They just are. You know, as I've been kind of preparing for this series and, and looking at different things, you know, one, one thing that I've been thinking a lot about is my, my kids. There's this show that um, they'll, we'll, they'll watch or we'll let them watch a little bit. Um, on, on, on Amazon. And it's called The Savage Kingdom. And it's this animal show. It's a show, you know, where they follow along animals. But what I like about this show is that it's more honest than all the other animal shows, you know? Because all the other animal shows are just like, oh, look at the deer frolicking and the, you know, and everything's great and everything, you know, everything's good. But this show, The Savage Kingdom, just shows how like, all these animals are eating each other. And, and, and destroying each other. And how pretty much an animal's life is just, it just gets up and it, it, it tries to eat and survive for that day. And even if it's not a carnivore, you know, it's just trying to eat, find fruit, find grass, find whatever it needs to eat. And then other animals are eating that animal and it's just, that's it. And the interesting thing too is that these animals, not all of them, but a lot of them, they eat their own young. You know, these lions are eating their own cubs to survive. And here's the point Animals have no conscience. There's no morality about them. There's no right or wrong. There's just instinct. They're just animals. And these animals, and by the way, because of the fact that animals have no conscience, this is why in the Bible they are equated to reprobates. Reprobates are called brute beasts. And a beast is an animal. You know, why are they called brute beasts? Here's why. Because they are like an animal in the sense that they have no conscience. Look, animals have no, con- there, there's no, like, nothing in them. Because where does your conscience come from? Came from, it came from God. The Bible says that God, Romans 2, wrote His law in your heart. His conscience was written in your heart. That even when you don't have the law of God, there's something in every human being that tells them killing is wrong. Adultery is wrong. You know, there's certain things that are just one. That's a conscience that we were given from God. But animals, they have no conscience. They have no morality. There's no, they're not moral or immoral. They just are. And that's why reprobates are called dogs throughout the Bible. They're called brute beasts throughout the Bible. Because they share the fact that they have no conscience. Not only that, but animals have no consciousness. They don't have a self-awareness of their own conscience lives and here's kind of the, just the big difference and obviously there's a lot of differences between animals and human beings and a lot people debate this and, and even science debate and of course science you know when, when you talk about the science that the public school and the public education system is just a bunch of foolishness because right. I remember being in school I remember taking a college class and being and having a teacher said, you know, what makes a human being different than an animal is, you know, our thumb. The adjustable thumb. It's like, really? You know, because of the adjustable thumb, we care for our children. We write books and we, uh, you know, build uh, 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 hospitals, you know. It's like, you know, it's a little more than just the adjustable thumb um, that makes us different. But what, one thing that makes us different is the fact that human beings are self-aware. There's a consciousness of life, and that comes because of our soul. Because here's the difference, one of the differences, one of the major difference between a human being and an animal, is that a human being has an eternal soul. That soul will spend eternity somewhere, heaven or hell. That soul did not come from the earth, because anything that comes from the earth is temporal. Our bodies came from this earth. They'll die one day, but when our bodies die, our soul and our spirit will spend eternity with God, or our soul, if we're not saved, will spend eternity in hell. But animals are not so. Are you there in Ecclesiastes chapter 3? Look at verse 21. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 21 says this, Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward? And if you look at verse 20, it's talking about the fact that we're all going to die just like the animals. That's the one thing we have in common. You and I will die like the animals die. Here's the difference though. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? See, I believe and the Bible teaches that, that animals do have spirits. And the spirit, and I don't want to get too far into this, but our spirit is how we connect with God. We connect to God through the Holy Spirit, through our spirit, connecting through to the Holy Spirit. And I believe that there is a connection between even animals and God. But their spirit is different than the spirit of man. There's different types of spirits. Even angels, which the Bible tells us are not human beings. Angelic beings are called ministering spirits. But they're not human beings. They're just a different type of spirit. Well, animals have a spirit, but it's a different type of spirit. And notice, when a man, when man, a saved individual dies, their spirit goes to be with God. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward and the spirit of beast that goeth downward? Why does the spirit of beast go downward? Because that's where it came from. Go back to Genesis 1. Look at verse 20 again. And God said, Genesis chapter 1, Verse 20. Keep your place in Ecclesiastes if you would. Genesis chapter 1 verse 20. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life. According to the Bible, where did God bring these animals from? The Bible says that the waters brought them forth. And the fowls may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created the great whales and every living creature that moveth with the waters. Notice, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind. And every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. And uh, and, and fill the waters in the sea. And let fowls multiply in the earth. And in the evening of the morning, or the fifth day, notice verse 24. And God said, Let the earth bring forth. The living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, and after his kind, and it was so. So, notice the earth brings forth the living creature. So, when the creature dies, it goes back to the earth. The spirit goes back downward to the earth from which it came. But where does the soul in the spirit of man go? It goes to God from which it came, because man was created different than God. There, uh, excuse me, than animals. There is a uh, preeminence to human life than there is to animal life. And, and one of the main things is that there is no afterlife to, to animals. Look, I hate to break it to you, but all dogs don't go to heaven. In fact, no dogs go to heaven. When a dog dies, when a cat dies, when an animal dies, it dies. Its spirit and its body returns back to the earth. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward... And the spirit of the beast that goes downward to the earth. And look, animals have, there's no consciousness. Animals hurt physically because they have physical bodies. But they don't hurt the way you and I hurt. We hurt physically because we have physical bodies. But we also hurt emotionally and spiritually because we have emotions and we have spirits. The Bible talks about the the, the grieving of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We can That grieves with our spirit. Animals don't have that. When an animal has, you know, you watch the Savage Kingdom and you watch all these little cubs being killed, sometimes by their own parents, you know, or their own uh, lion dad or whatever, but you have other animals eating them. You know, you have an animal that'll lose a cub and it'll howl and it'll kind of mourn for a little while. And I I believe it it realizes that, hey, this cub, you know, was killed and and it mourns that for a second. But, you know, that animal doesn't come back a year later to visit that gravesite. But humans do. Because humans have a self consciousness. We know that there is something after death. We know there's something there's an afterlife. We know that there's something we will leave when we die. That we will leave something behind. This is one of the things that makes us human. This is why humans are advanced. We leave, we leave legacies, we teach our children, we leave technology, we write books so that because there is a self- consciousness of who we are. Animals don't have that. Look, however much you love your pet, your dog or whatever, if you gave that dog away, it would forget about you. (laughs) You say, oh no, but three years later, we brought it back to the house and it went straight up to its kennel. That's called instinct. There's no self-consciousness there. There's no conscience there. They're not moral or immoral. You know, these people, they go around and they they take their dogs and they put a nice suit on them, put a bow tie on them, take them over to take a family picture. You got this ugly pug in a bow tie taking a picture. You know what? You know, when you look at that picture, you got to just think, here's what that dog is thinking. I would eat you if I could. Because there is no conscience. There's no self-awareness. There's no self-consciousness. Man was created different than animals. Not only that, though, man was given dominion over animals. Look at verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, notice what the Bible says. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Notice, and let them have dominion. The word dominion means complete control, domination. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air, and over the cattle, and over uh, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Look at verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. Notice these words. And subdue. The word subdue means to overcome, to bring under control. And subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowls of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Look, man was created different than animals, and man was given dominion over animals. This is the preeminence that man has over animals. But I want you to notice, at creation, and this continues today, there was a preeminence given to man over animals. We were created differently, and we were given dominion. But before the flood, there was also a peace. And really, before the fall of man, there was a peace that man had with animals. Look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 29. Before the flood, mankind, all man, was vegetarian. No one ate animals. Genesis 1, verse 29. Notice what the Bible says. And God said, behold, this is again the creation story. I've given you, and this is God referring to all of mankind, speaking to Adam, but referring to all mankind. I've given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding fruit to you. Notice what he says. It shall be for meat. And the word meat in our King James Bible is not the same word as you and I use it today. You and I, when we, when we say the word meat today, the Bible word would be flesh. The word meat in our King James Bible simply means food. That's why in the book of Leviticus you have a meat offering and it's, it's a pancake. It's flour and oil baked. There's no flesh in it. And here, God tells man at creation that he has given every herb and every tree and for you it shall be meat. So look, at creation, all man, man were animals. Uh, excuse me, good night. That's the opposite of what I'm trying to preach. Man was uh, vegetarian. Man was not eating animals at creation. And at creation, animals were not eating each other either. Look at verse 30. And to every beast, again referring to animals, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and so every, uh, everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb, notice, for meat, and it was so. So men are eating plants, animals are eating plants, and there's peace throughout the world. Men are not killing animals, animals are not killing each other. This is why the Bible says, this is one of the reasons why the Bible says in verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So, pre-flood, when we talk about the animal kingdom pre-flood, here's what we need to understand. There was a preeminence given to man, which continues today. Man was created differently. Animals came from the earth. Only our bodies came from the earth, but our souls came from God. God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul is what the Bible says. Man was created different than animals and man was given dominion over animals. We were told even from the Garden of Eden to have dominion. Even though we uh, man wasn't eating them they were still under our subjection. Animals were created to be under the subjection of man to work for man. But there was also a peace during the creation time where man was not eating Flesh and therefore not killing animals, and where animals were not eating flesh and not killing each other. Go to Genesis chapter 9. So that was the animal kingdom pre flood. Let's talk about the animal kingdom at present time. So from the flood to now, what changed? Well, after the flood, one thing that changed is that man and God, you know, genetically changed man, I believe, at the flood to and gave man permission to eat animals. Praise God. <laughs> you know, um, one major thing that changed uh, after the flood, during present time, is the eating of animals. And, you know, people say, oh, you don't like animals. Look, I love animals. They are delicious. And, um, you know, and there's something that God said. Genesis 9, look at verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said unto them, notice they're coming off the, the, the ark, uh, during the flood, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now notice verse two and the fear of you and the dread of you, the word dread means great fear or apprehension shall be upon every beast of the earth. When Noah comes off the flood uh, off the ark, God says, now there's going to be a change. now the animals are going to fear you and they're going be they're, they're going have a dread of you that didn't exist before. You say, well, why? Notice, and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all fishes of the sea in your hand are they delivered. Notice, before the Bible says that we had dominion, now it says that they have been delivered. Like delivery, (laughs) verse 3, notice, every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. So there's a change. Before he said, the herbs and the tree are meat for you. Now he says, every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. So He says, look, now you can eat a steak and have a salad on the side. (laughs) Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. So notice that after the flood, in present day, we have the eating of animals. God has uh, given man permission to not only have dominion, but he's also delivered animals to be eaten. Uh, you don't have to turn here, but I'll read this for you. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 says this, For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. We're, here we're to, being told, because uh, the Bible says that in the latter days, there's going to be those who come, and they're going to tell you, Oh, don't eat. Don't eat meat. And God says, look, every creature, for every creature of God is good. And nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. And by the way, let me just say this. You ought to always pray before you eat. You ought to give thanks to God for your food. That's what it says, if it be received with thanksgiving. The Bible says, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. You know, you ought not be ashamed to pray before your meal. And even if you're at work, even if you're at the restaurant, you should take time and acknowledge God and not be ashamed of God. And don't be one of these, you know, Christians where it's like, you're at a restaurant and you act, you, you pretend like you lost your, you know, like you dropped your napkin. It's like, dear Jesus, what I meant. You know, bow your head and thank God for your food. Acknowledge that God gave you the food. So one thing that changed from... The animal kingdom in present time is the eating of animals. We can now eat animals. Now, let me just say this. Go, uh, go, go to uh, Proverbs, if you would. If you to a place in Ecclesiastes, if you go backwards one book from Ecclesiastes, you have the book of Proverbs. Go to Proverbs chapter 12 and just keep your place in Proverbs, if you would. Proverbs chapter 12. And look, we need to understand that animal life is not at the same level as human life. One reason for that, that we need to understand, is because God tells us to kill animals and eat them. And there's nothing wrong with that. God does not put animal life at the same level as human life. But with that said, let me just go ahead and make the disclaimer that just because we can kill animals to eat them does not mean that we should be cruel to animals. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 10, the Bible says this, A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. But the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. So so look, you know, there's nothing wrong with killing an animal. There's nothing wrong with going hunting and shooting an animal, killing an animal. Animal life is not on the same level, not even close as human life. But obviously, just because we can kill animals doesn't mean that we should be cruel to animals. Because animals, though they have a different soul or spirit than that which a human has, they have bodies that feel... And you know, when we were making our documentary, Psychopath Reprobates, we we're doing a lot, I was doing a lot of reading on psychopaths and, 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 you know, we we're doing a lot of research, my wife and I. And one thing we found is when you study these, like, you know, these, these, these serial killers that are just, you know, doing all this crazy stuff and eating people and just, you know, torturing people, you know, you find that they all got started as young, as young kids by, you know, torturing animals. And so, obviously, this is not something that we want to... It's, it's not okay to sit there and, and, and make an animal be in pain, you know, and torture it, and, and do all these things. The Bible says, a righteous man regarded the life of, the, of his beast. A, a righteous man realizes that a beast is a beast, it's an animal. But obviously, we don't want to be cruel to an animal. But there's nothing wrong with killing an animal and eating it. That's what the Bible says. So, when we talk about the animal kingdom at present time, here's what we need to remember number one the eating of animals that we can't that we can eat them God gave them to us to eat to to, to subdue them to have dominion to put them to work throughout the, you know thousands of years we've uh, mankind has used animals like ox and uh, horses and 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 dogs and whatever and put them to work but then also after the flood God gave them to us as food and said you can kill them you can eat them you know, the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth because you, every moving thing that liveth shall be for you, is what the Bible says. But in present time, we must be careful. Keep your place there in Proverbs, if you would, and go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. In present times, we should consider the eating of animals, but we should also be careful about the exaltation of animals. Because look, we live in a society that has exalted animals... And this is something the Bible says we should not do. We live in a society that elevates animals to the same status and and to a higher status than human beings. And you say, oh, that's not true. Okay. Well, then why can a woman go take a human life into some Planned Parenthood and kill a human life and politicians will defend her? But if you leave your dog in some car somewhere and it dies you're going to get prosecuted. Tell me we don't live in a society. We live in a society where 3,000, 4,000 children are being murdered every day, but we've got laws protecting whether you can test shampoo on a bunny. We live in a society, whether you like it or not, that has exalted animal status to human status. And this is something that God was never for. Obviously, we should never be cruel to animals, but we should not see animals on the same level as human beings, Matthew chapter six, look at verse twenty-six. Notice what what Jesus said. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. You know, I believe God love. He created animals. God loves animals, and we we should love animals. I love going to. Uh, the zoo and, 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 and looking at animals and taking our kids to the zoo and looking at animals and, and, you know, watching the savage kingdom with our kids and watching these brute beasts destroy each other and all that. You know, that's all great. But notice what Jesus said at the end of verse 26. He says, are you not much better than they? He says, look, human beings are better than animals. Go to Mark chapter 5. If you would you're there in Matthew, go to the book of Mark. Here's a story that kind of signifies this. In Mark chapter 5, and I won't take the time to, to spend too much time on this, but you, you have the, the story of the, the man possessed, legion possessed, the man possessed of many devils. And in Mark chapter 5 and verse 11, the Bible says this, now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him. Cause all the devils are in this man. And Jesus is there. And the devils besought him, referring to Jesus, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. So, this man has had his life ruined by these devils. The Bible says he's chained up, he's cutting himself, he's out of control. His life is completely ruined. Because these devils are in them, Jesus shows up, and the devils say, Well, will you let us you know, go ruin the life of these pigs? let us get out of his body and go ruin the life of these these animals. Notice verse 13. And forthwith. I want you to notice that word forthwith. The word forthwith means immediately, without delay, without even giving it a second thought. Jesus says, and forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about, notice this, 2,000 and were choked in the sea. Here's what's interesting. If Jesus is given the choice, whether they're restoring the life, the quality of life of a human being, even if it means that 2,000 animals would die in the process, Jesus won't even bat an eye. That's how he feels about animal life. It's not even close to the level of a human being. He, he says, forthwith. He said, go for it. 2,000 pigs are choked in the sea, but one human life was restored. The exaltation of animals is not something that we should, that we should have, that we should live. First Corinthians chapter 9, if you would. Matt, you're there in Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 look, obviously, you can have your pets and love your animals and all that. We've got a dog and, you know, we like it. <laughs> the kids all love it. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, we're human beings. We have empathy. We love things. But we should just realize that animals are animals. That's it. They're not human beings. First Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse 9. Notice what the Bible says. For it is written... In the law of Moses. Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox. That treadeth out the corn. Now here we have God giving us. A principle. For an animal. And, and what he's saying is this. That when the ox is out. Plowing the field. When he's when he's working. When he's bringing in the harvest. He says don't muzzle. The mouth of the ox. The, the muzzle means to, to bind it. So that he can't open his mouth. He says that tread out the corn. Because the idea is that if the ox is out there working, then it should be allowed to just kind of eat as it works. This is what God, a principle that God gave for animals. But I want you to notice, and of course it's found in the Old Testament. And then this is used throughout the Bible, actually referring to pastors. You know, God, God illustrates us as a bunch of ox. And, and the idea is that, look, if the ox is working, feed the ox. If the ox is working, take care of the ox. Now, notice what he says here, 1 Corinthians 9 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. And then he asks this question. Paul does. He says, Doth God take care for oxen? He says, Look, did God give us this principle about not muzzling the mouth of the ox because God just really cares about oxen? Oxen rights. Let's make sure the oxen aren't being taken advantage of. Is, I mean, he said, does God take care for oxen? Look at verse 10. Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? He says, for our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, that he that thresheth in hope should be a partaker of his own. He says, look, when God said, don't muzzle the ox that turns out the corn, he said, he said that for our benefit to teach us something, that if someone's working, they should get paid. That if someone's working, they should be allowed to eat of the fruit of that labor. But he says, Paul says, let me just make sure you don't think that God is some sort of pita animal lover. Does God take care for oxen? Or says he it all together for our sakes? He says, for our sakes, no doubt. Look, God, please understand this. God has no problem just killing multitudes of animals. I mean... All throughout the Bible, if you read the Bible, you'll see God you, just killing animals during the flood. God is mad at man, kills all the animals. And kills a bunch of men. <laughs> you know, Jesus just kills 2,000 pigs. Forthwith, without giving, it. you know, every once in a while you hear these stories about some kid, you know, falls over into some ape pit. In, 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 in a zoo somewhere, or, you know, and then you got all these people, well, right, it's an endangered species, and blah, blah, blah. Look, kill that animal the moment a human life is in danger, kill the animal. Amen. There's no, there, there, there there's not even a comparison. Jesus will not even give it a second thought. I can restore the life of a man and destroy 2,000 pigs? He says, worth it, go for it. We must fight against this exaltation of animals. Because, you know, people think like, oh, it's just cute, it's just funny. But you know what it is? It's evolution. And, you know, Disney has, 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 has been a big deal with this. Creating all these movies that make you feel bad for these animals. You know, you walk away from Bambi feeling mad, you know, sad, because a hunter killed a deer. There's nothing wrong with a hunter killing a deer! But, you know, you, you, you have just, we have this culture that tells us, you know, animals have feelings. And look, animals are animals. They have no conscience. They have no consciousness. They would eat you if they could. <laughs> so there is the eating of animals in our present time. And there is the exaltation of animals that we should avoid. And again, we shouldn't be cruel to animals. Look, boys have a tendency to take this stuff too far. Go to Isaiah if you would. Isaiah chapter 11, and I've never heard of any of the boys in our church doing this, but you know, boys, they'll they'll get all riled up, and dogs are better than cats, you know, and whatever. They want to talk about how they're going to torture cats. You know, that's fun. Have that fun, and and make fun of the girls or whatever, but don't ever actually go torture a cat. That's not okay. Now, if you're going to kill it and eat it, you know, hot cat on a bun. Great. But, um, you know, we should not be cruel to animals. But, but, you know, we also shouldn't just be like, that chicken was somebody's sister. <laughs> that chicken had a mother. No, that's ridiculous. So we see the animal kingdom pre-flood. We see man's preeminence over animals. Man was created different than animals. Man was given dominion over animals. We see man's peace with animals during creation. Because man was a vegetarian, man was not killing animals Animals were vegetarians. They were not killing each other. Then we see the animal kingdom present time. One of the big takeaways for present time, the eating of animals is fine. And we must be careful about the exaltation of animals. And look, there's no new thing under the sun. Heathen cultures for years. Go to India, one of the oldest cultures in, in our world, and what are they doing? Worshipping cows. Don't touch the cow. Don't mess with the cow. Look, there's no new thing under the sun. All of this has been from the beginning. And we as Christians just need to have a, a, a worldview that says, you know, animals are on a different level than human beings. Let's talk about the animal kingdom post the second coming. The animal kingdom post the second coming. And specifically the millennial reign. Because things change again during the millennial reign of Christ. First of all, we have the animal kingdom at peace again with, with, with themselves. Isaiah chapter 11, look at verse 6. Notice what the Bible says. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 6. This is a very famous passage about the millennial reign. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Now today the wolf cannot dwell with the lamb. The wolf eats the lamb. But during the millennial reign, things are going to go back to the Garden of Eden status where animals are going to be vegetarians again. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the last bird shall die, lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And that'll be, that'll be a great time for kids, when they could have a leopard as a pet. Look at verse 7. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. So notice, they're going to go back to vegetarian saying, look, today a lion cannot survive off, off straw. It must eat meat, flesh. But during the millennial reign, the Bible says that the lion shall eat straw like the ox. God is going to genetically change, genetically modify these animals. Not in the way, you know, it's done today. Look at verse 8. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the ass, And a weaned child shall put his hand on on the cockatrice's den. So notice, you know, you're going to have just little babies playing with these rattlesnakes, playing with these, you know, venomous serpents, and it'll be fine. The cow is going to be taking a nap with the bear. The wolf will be lying next to the lamb. Go to Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65, look at verse 25. Isaiah 65 and verse 25. Isaiah 65 and verse 25, the Bible says this, The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and the dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. I want you to notice that post the second coming, there's this change in, in the animal kingdom where they're not eating each other. They're not at war with each other. Now, I want you to notice the last little phrase there verse 25. Isaiah 65, 25. They shall not hurt nor destroy. Because you know what animals are doing today? That's all they're doing all day, every day today is hurting and destroying each other. They're just, go, you know, go to the jungle and actually watch these animals and they're just killing each other and eating each other. And they're not, there's nothing wrong with it. That's just how they are. But there's going to come to the animal kingdom, they're going to have peace. They're not going to be at war with each other anymore. And let me just say this. Go, go to Isaiah 24, if you would. And, you know, let me try to explain this. Animals have no conscience. There's no conscience and there's no consciousness. There's no morality. There's not even really anything wrong with a big... You know, we look at some big old lion eating its cup and we're like, ah, oh, you know, that's terrible. But there's no morality with them. They just survive. That's what they do. There's no afterlife. There's no consciousness. But I will say this. I do believe animals feel. You know, they they have physical bodies. Obviously, if you break the leg of an animal, it's going to feel that. And you know, one thing that the Bible teaches is that animals are basically in a state of, of hurt and hurting because of man bringing sin into the world. See, we brought cur- the curse of sin into the world. When God created animals, they were all at peace. Men were not eating animals. Animals were not eating each other. It was all good, the Bible says. But when man brought sin into the world, then things got bad for the animals. Look at Isaiah 24 and verse 6. Notice what the Bible says, this, the first part of this verse. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth... This is the curse of sin. Because of Adam and Eve and bringing sin into the world, you know, life got bad. And life got bad for animals. There is no peace today in the savage kingdom. Go to Romans chapter 8. Let me show this to you from a different passage. Romans chapter 8. In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 19. So look, and, and by the way, let me just say this. Every once in a while, you know, these scientists will find some ape somewhere. Like, look, look, look at this ape. It's a homosexual. It happens in nature. You know, therefore, it must be right. Look, animals have no conscience. They have no conscience and they have no consciousness. We should not be looking at what animals do. They also eat their babies. We should not be looking at animals, what they do to justify. They also eat their own vomit to justify what we do. We have a conscience. We are created with a soul that will live somewhere for all of eternity. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 19. Notice what the Bible says. This is how the Bible describes our world today. The fallen world that you and I live in under this curse. Therefore, hath the curse devoured the earth, the Bible says. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature, and the word creature here is referring to uh, the animals, the, the creation of animals. Notice, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Let that kind of sink in a little bit. The animal kingdom, the animal kingdom is waiting for the day that the sons of God are made manifest. When is that going to happen? That's going to happen at the rapture. When, when, when we shall behold Him, and we shall be like Him, and we shall see Him as He is. The animal kingdom is waiting to get out of this present state of the fall of man to when we will be in our glorified bodies. You say, why? Well, here's why. Verse 20. For the creature, the animal was made subject to vanity. The animal didn't sin. Animals didn't sin. The serpent sinned. You know, Satan came in the form of a serpent. But when man sinned, the creature was made subject to vanity. Vanity. Notice, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Notice, verse 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. When the millennial reign begins, not only are you and I gonna be delivered from the corruption of this flesh, but the animals themselves will be uh, uh delivered, the Bible says. The Bible says here that it's uh the because verse twenty one, because the creature also, uh the creature excuse me, itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Look, the animals right now, they are uh, groaning and travailing in pain. They are hurting and destroying each other. But one day, at the millennial reign of Christ, not only will you and I be delivered from the corruption, they'll be delivered from the corruption, and the wolf will lie with the lamb. And the ox will uh, feed with the bear. And a weaned child shall lead them. So there is a coming peace in the animal kingdom uh, post the second coming. There is an animal kingdom uh, will have peace. They will also be delivered from the curse of sin that humans brought upon the earth. Go to Revelation, if you would, Revelation chapter 5. Let me give you this thought. We're talking about the animal kingdom post the second coming. The animal kingdom will have peace at the millennial reign, and the animal kingdom will give praise. The animal kingdom will give praise. Notice Revelation chapter 5. In Revelation chapter 5, we have one of these chapters that people often will just, you know, just read over and think, oh, it's just a bunch of fluff. But I want you to notice in this chapter, we have a description of praise being given to God. And if you look at it closely, you'll notice that it's given in three different sections or at three different levels. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says this, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. Now the Lamb is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odor, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Now notice, who are these people praising God right now? Notice what they say in their praises to God. They say, Thou art worthy, talking to Jesus, talking to the Lamb, to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For Thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. So who's speaking here? Humans. Saved people are giving glory to God And they're saying, Thou art worthy uh, uh, to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and people and tongues. They're human beings that are praising God in Revelation chapter 5, verses 8, 9, and 10. But then notice in verse 11 and 12, we have a different group praising God. And notice they say something different, verse 11. And I beheld... And I heard the voice of many angels. So now it's angels, not humans. I want you to notice how God separates these classes. You got the human saying, Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Only a saved person could say that. Only a saved human being could say that. Jesus died for the sins of mankind. But then we have the angels, notice, and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Of all these angels, notice they're praising God, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. Notice they don't mention that He was slain or that they were redeemed by His blood. They mention the fact that He was slain, but they're just praising Him. Because obviously they're not redeemed angels. Jesus didn't die for angels. And then in verse 13, we have yet a different classification. This is the animals. Look at verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying... This is John. John is telling us, I heard I heard the animals, I heard the creatures, which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power, be unto Him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. So notice, in this chapter we have the praising of God. And it's done in these sections. You have humans, you have angels, you have animals. And these animals, and again, this is, this is post uh, the rapture, after the rapture, millennial reign and, 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 and all of that. And this is in heaven, of course. But these animals are praising God. So look, animals have spirits, and I believe those spirits do connect to God. Um, but they're praising God, and here John actually hears them. Go, go to the book of Job, if you would, Job chapter 12. Uh, we're going to go to Job, we're going to go to Daniel, and we're going to finish up, okay? Job, if you can find Job and Daniel. If you start at Proverbs and go backwards, you have Psalms and Job. And then we have Daniel. If you're at Job, you have Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. You know, and what I'm, about, what I'm about to tell you, this is just my opinion. I, you know, I always like to give that disclaimer. If I'm just going to give you my opinion, this is just my thoughts. But my thoughts based on this is that, you know, in heaven, we're going to be able to speak and talk to these animals. Because these animals are, are speaking and praising God. And here's, here's what's interesting. You know, it may have been, and again, this is just my opinion. But it may have been that even at the garden, Adam was able to speak with these animals. Because if you remember, the serpent came to Eve and just had a conversation um, with with Eve. The interesting thing is that the only other time an animal ever speaks in the Bible is Balaam's donkey, which we're going to get to in this series. Uh, But God specifically tells us that God loosened his tongue to allow him to speak. So in the present time, animals don't speak. Look, it doesn't matter how close you are to your dog. You don't understand that dog. That dog doesn't understand you. You say, I love you, Fido. And he says, you look delicious. Go to Job chapter 12. Job chapter 12. If you have a dog named Fido, I don't know it. You probably, you know, it's a pretty common dog name, I think. Job chapter 12. So we're talking about the animal kingdom in general. We have the animal kingdom pre-flood. What do we learn? That man has preeminence over animals. Man was created different than animals. God breathed into man the breath of life. And man was given dominion over animals to subdue them. Man, at creation, was at peace with the animals. Man was vegetarian, not killing animals. Animals were vegetarians, not killing each other. Then we have the animal kingdom at present time, or present day. And the two takeaways is the eating of animals. Now we can eat them. And we should be careful about the exaltation of animals. We should not exalt animals. To human status and look with your kids. Be careful about letting their minds run and watch things that make them think that animals are. Look, we should not be cruel to animals. We should take care of animals if we're going to have them and we're going to. They're going to be, you know, of, of use to us. Then we should feed them and care for them and, and we should love them. There's nothing wrong with loving your animal, but don't put that. It's not your baby. It's not a baby. We shouldn't even speak that way. It's not a human being. Then we have the animal kingdom post the second coming. The animal kingdom will be delivered from the corruption of this world and it'll go back to peace. And then we saw that the animal kingdom will give praise to God. Let me give you just two kind of, uh, that, that's all infor- informative. I, I hope that was informative and, and, and kind of gave you a theology of the animal kingdom. But um, let me just end by kind of giving you some two, two thoughts about the animals. And again, they have spirits. And I believe that those spirits connect to God. They don't get saved. They don't die and go to heaven. They don't die and go to hell. They die and their spirit returns to the earth. But while they're alive, they do, I believe, they have a connection to God. I believe that's where their instinct comes from. You ever notice an animal? You don't have to teach an animal, you know. It can be born, you throw it into the water, it just start swimming. And, you know, they just have these instincts that came from God, that God programmed into them. And human beings are different. You know, you leave a human baby out in the wilderness, it's going to die. You know, it needs a mother, it needs a father, it needs a relationship. And obviously some animals would die as well. But the point is that they, they have these instincts that came from God. There's a connection to them for God, that they have to God. So let me just kind of, by, by, to end the sermon, by con- way of conclusion, give you two thoughts on the animal kingdom. The animal kingdom has no problem acknowledging God. Only humans do. Job chapter 12, verse 7. We saw this in our study in the book of Job, but I'd like to show it to you tonight. Notice what Job said. But ask now the beast, talking about the animals, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee, or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee, who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this you know what's really interesting about the animal kingdom you know what's really interesting about chimpanzees and apes none of them believe in evolution I mean if you could speak to an animal and say hey you know where do you think we came from they'd be like what are you you must be a human because all of us know that we came from God the heavens declare the glory of God look no animal has a problem with acknowledging God. Only humans do. Isn't that interesting? The only creatures on this earth that have a problem acknowledging God is us. Every animal. Every animal. If, if God would loosen, loosen the tongue of your dog, and you could speak to your dog, it would say, God created me. And you look delicious. Delicious. I mean, the animal kingdom has no problem acknowledging God. Only humans do. Here's another thought. Go to Daniel, if you would. Daniel chapter 6. The animal kingdom has no problem obeying God. Only humans do. Isn't that interesting? The animal kingdom has absolutely no problem obeying God. God tells a kangaroo, jump. He says, how high? The animal kingdom. In fact, that's what this whole series is about. The fact that all throughout the Bible, God says, kill that guy. And the animals are like, sure, yes, sir. Attack that person. The animals are like, go for it. And and, and I'm going to give you an example tonight, not of a uh, a time when animals attacked, but a time when animals did not attack. And there's, of course, a famous story of Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel chapter 6, look at verse 21. Then said Daniel unto the king. This is after Daniel has already spent the night in the lion's den. Then said Daniel unto the king. O king, live forever. My God, because remember the, the, the king, he's all worried about Daniel and he goes and he, he's asking, are you okay? And this is what Daniel says. My God hath sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And if you read the story and you continue the story, when the king puts all the enemies of Daniel into that lion's den, those lions rise up and kill them and eat them. Because that's what every lion would do to a human being unless God tells it not to. So here's what's interesting. The animal kingdom has no problem acknowledging God. Only humans do. It makes you kind of wonder about humans. You know, what's wrong with mankind that we want to reject God, that we want to send our kids to schools and be taught that there is no God? And the animal kingdom has no problem obeying God Only humans do. So you got to ask yourself about yourself. I mean, you love your goldfish so much and you love your dog so much and you love your cat so much. You got to ask yourself this. Am I as obedient to God as my dog is? Animals don't argue with God. God says, kill this person. They go kill that person. We're going to look at that. Animals have no problem. Look, you come to a church like this. I get up and preach about marriage, like I did this morning. Preach about finances. Preach about soul. Preach about Bible reading. Look, if, if the animals were here and I preached all those things, they say, "Amen, amen, amen." Only humans fight back against God. They have no problem obeying God. Just you and I do. So maybe we can take a lesson from the animal kingdom. And say, if my dog is smart enough to obey God, maybe I should too. The animal kingdom is smart enough to acknowledge God. And maybe I should too. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the study, Lord. We're always amazed how much the Bible talks about everything. Any subject you want to learn, anything you want to know about, God tells us about. Lord, help us to care for animals. Help us to use animals properly. Help us to even love those animals that are our pets. Help us never to be cruel to animals. But Lord, help us to never exalt them above where you would have them to be either. Help us to realize that there really is no value to animal life. They are not humans. Lord, help us to just have a balanced view. Help us to understand what the Bible teaches. And help us to learn a lesson from the animals. They have no problem acknowledging you. They have no problem obeying you. Help us to learn to acknowledge and obey and trust you as well. In the matchless name of Christ we pray. Amen.